We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Once again, as is so often the case in the summer, we thank David Ornstein for giving us something to pot about. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can find me on Twitter. Yank Gunner. Look, we're never going to struggle to talk about Arsenal, especially with the season 12 days away. Can you believe it? 12 days we will be playing Monaco at the Emirates Cup, probably some behind closed doors thing. Then we'll be playing Manchester City in the Community Shield, which is a huge trophy if we win it, meaningless friendly if we lose it, and then it is uh forest at home a week a week later it's coming it's nearly here there's still a lot to figure out but D- uh, david ornstein I was about to say david ornstein because david ornstein has given us an orn bomb on david raya we will be discussing that and more with clive you can find him on twitter at clive pfc hello clive hello hello it is lovely to not just hear your voice, but see your face. I, I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Clive's face. If you're just listening, you don't have to see Clive's face. It's really uh, depends on what you think of the faces in general. But I am seeing Clive's face, and it is lovely to see you after uh, quite a bit of time away. Yeah, it's good to see you, and I um, can see you um, well alive. <laughs> knowing <Just> how, <laughs> knowing how you live on these trips, uh, <laughs> I'm just glad I can see you on the screen in one piece. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I tried to make some decent life choices, but it, it was it was I think eight or nine days away, which is a long time to be living out of a suitcase, living on the go. Great to see my kids, great to see my wife, and all that stuff. Yeah, set that aside though. Nice to just sleep in my bed and and rest and recuperate. Uh, Andrew and I were joking that we we're going to live like monks for the next few weeks. Um, I'm yeah, guessing that might last a couple of days. <laughs> we'll see. Might make it through the afternoon. An old fashioned sounds nice right about now, and it's just gone ten twenty five in the morning. But that's okay. Um, well, every Clive, picture we actually, I saw had a margarita at the bottom of it, and so I'm thinking, okay, them guys mm. went for it a little bit, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like forty percent margarita, forty percent Negroni, and twenty percent human flesh and bones. Still, <laughs> that's about it. Um, but but one hundred percent Arsenal love because it it really was great. And while we missed you, there will always be a next trip that we will be on together. So that will be great. Um, yes, yeah, so David Ornstein has given us an unexpected. Um, 
top of the pod conversation to have because according to David Ornstein, mm. we are in for David Rea, goalkeeper from Brentford. The number being mooted for now is 40 million. He has just one year left on his contract. Brentford have signed keeper Flecken is his name. Uh, those who want to get in touch and let me know the proper pronunciation can do so. Um, but they, they have signed him from Freiburg. Bayern, who are in for Rea, have apparently backed off now with their interest moving to David De Gea. All I will say is we know once upon a time David Rea was the goalkeeping target we were looking at first and foremost before we uh, signed Aaron Ramsdale, Inaki Kanya. Kanya? Inaki Kana? Yeah, That's, um, goalkeeping coach. Yeah, goalkeeping coach. Uh, a, a player that he feels very strongly about. So there's a lot of angles to discuss this from. One of them, of course, is going to be what this means, if anything, for Aaron Ramsdale. We can get into that. Should mention also that there are rumors of a loan with a mandatory uh, compulsory option to buy uh, Turner with Forrest. And it would probably make sense if Turner goes to Forrest and then turns into a complete octopus against us on opening day. But let's hope that does not happen. So those are all of the details uh, to cover to kind of get to the state of play we're in now. At a high level, what are your thoughts on Raya, Raya, and um, our, our interest there. Yeah, he's he's very good. He's very sharp, very modern, shall we say? Air quotes. Um, very good of his feet. Spends a lot of his time out of the uh, <laughs> out of the box. Uh, I remember when we, we were going through him before when Brentford were trying to come up, and he was doing you know quite well. I think the first time they tried to come up, they didn't make it, and he had. You know, I think they played might played Derby in the playoff final, and he got caught from free kick from far out. And so I thought, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have gone so heavy on him. But he is, he is. Well, he's not. He is the modern goalkeeper, right? And um, and has some fantastic uh, season. And all the stats guys, I'm sure your community, Elliot, will will like him because <laughs> he comes up strong in the statistics on crosses, on saves, on the post shot xG, whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's sharp, right? And he is very, very proactive, particularly on crosses and particularly on controlling his box, fast hands. So my thought is, obviously Spurs were going to go for him, and I was I sort of sighed, but the number was too big for Spurs, <laughs> and they moved away. I can't remember what they went for now, but they moved away to keep about fifteen, about seventeen million they paid for him, and I thought, okay, he's going to go to Bayern. 40 million is too much, Elliot, for a guy with one year's contract. Brentford, unlike Brentford, have <clears throat> maybe taken away a little bit of leverage because they've got their number one. He's training with the, with the squad, but he's not in the squad. And so Arsenal have an opportunity here to maybe do something. You know, but the price has got to be right. There was a lot of uproar in the Arsenal world when we spent 25 to 30 million on Ramsdale behind Bert Leno, and people thought, what are we spending that money on the backup for? Well, the wiser people realised that Bert Leno wasn't quite as good as we thought, even though, again, statistically, he comes up quite well. But Ramsdale just signed a contract literally a few, about three months ago. So why would we spend £40 million on somebody else to just keep him under pressure? I don't think that's feasible. So let's see how this story develops on the numbers wise, because I think there's opportunity there for us. Yeah, Spurs wound up with Vicario, I believe is his name. Thank you. Um, from, from Italy. And look, there's a, there's a few things to unpack here. I mean, first of all, I don't know that I thought Leno was a liability particularly. He was a good keeper, good shot stopper. 
we saw an opportunity to upgrade him. I think David Raya was the primary option that we wanted. And at the time, that was not something we could do. And so we did the Rams deal deal. <clears throat> and it's worked out brilliantly. Leno stayed that season and then left, right? He he stayed yep. and then he moved on. Um, uh, just, you know, make sure maybe, right? Make sure the Ramsdale thing works. You, you don't necessarily put all your eggs in that basket, but we bought Ramsdale. <clears throat> he started the season as our number one choice. And then Leno moved on. Can I come in there? Can I just, just to make sure we're Please historically say. correct? Because when Ramsdale was signed, he was signed and said, look, it may take you a year, but we all could be our number one. And that's what we're, that's what we're looking to do. He did it in like three games because we lost the first three games. Oh, yeah. He came in on the fourth game and it was done. Right? So, and I think that hunger shone in him when he first came in. And I, you're just fresh back from, well, fresh back from the US. You've watched the US games and preseason, you can't judge in preseason. But keep, let, let me just say, keeping the hunger is important, shall we say, mm -hmm. for every position, including the one that's just signed a contract. I'll say just, just in the ether, and just in the conversations that are out there, Ramsdale's performances had kind of become a talking point. Um, just out in the tour and talking to people, and and I'm not just saying just American fans either. Some of the people who were, were over, some of the journalists that were over, you just heard Ramsdale being discussed a bit. He obviously had a very uneven, let's say, performance at MetLife. Yeah. And I thought he was a bit better uh, at SoFi. He was. But there were still some issues there. Um and towards the tail end of last season, there were some issues that had cropped up. We know the interest in Raya was there prior to Ramsdale. As for the signing of a contract, I think you could say, look, you signed him to a new deal because we're going to spend this season with a genuine keeper contest. And if Raya wins it, you've protected the value of Ramsdale in the market if you want to move him, as opposed to not signing him to a new deal, having him be usurped over this season, and then you have no ability to get a big fee for him next season. Now, look, I've gone way, way, way down the road of, of what could happen. Ramsdale is still our number one, still highly regarded, still very good. I think there are some people that would point to Ramsdale as being one of the members of the starting 11 that could be upgraded. There are others that would say that is a nonsense idea that he's excellent and only getting better. I think it is worth pointing out that he's also very young by keeper standards. So if you think he's pretty good now, he could be excellent later. If you think he's excellent now, he could be world-class later. <clears throat> but you don't go for Raya if you're 100% convinced of Ramsdale, in my view. That's just my view. I, I, this would give us... If, let's say Raya was bought to be the backup. There is no club in world football that has a backup of that level. And I, I struggle to believe that Raya would want to come if he felt that was his role. So at a yeah. minimum, I think there would be the option for a genuine uh, goalkeeper competition. Now, he is on the shorter side, but you know it is the, the modern keeper thing, right? You want him to be good with his feet. You want him to play sweeper, play higher up the pitch. I, I wonder, Clive, do you think that this is an idea that has... Developed only recently, given that Ramsdale just showed some signs of of his level maybe dropping late in the season and hasn't maybe had the best preseason, although, again, preseason is very hard to judge. I mean, we know that Mikel can be ruthless. We know that he is going to be looking at every position as an opportunity to upgrade. And, and in the first 11 right now, it's a really, really strong group. Ramsdale might be the one position you'd point to and say there's questions. And I realize there's some people listening, by the way, who think 
there are no questions around Ramsdale. And I, I find myself inclined to say, I don't think anything needs to be done with that position. But clearly the club must see something. Yeah, so let's have a look at the whole thing, shall we? Because um, there's a... Uh, there are two young goalkeepers, Arthur Conker, just I think mm-hmm. either leaving or just about to leave. He was on loan at Stone Gratz last year, did very, very well. There's Carl Hein, who I think needs to go and play, needs to go on loan somewhere. Um, looks a little bit nervy once he gets in. If he's a third goalkeeper, is that really good for his career? Because he needs to go away again on loan. He's played for the Finnish team, international team. He needs to play to see what his potential is. And so it was James actually that first put his thought into my mind in one of his videos talking about maybe Arsenal could do with an experienced third goalkeeper to allow these mm. young keepers to go out and play rather than sitting there for an experienced you know, third goalkeeper to really boost and maybe mentor Ramsdale in, in, a, in a slightly different way. Matt Turner's career, obviously in the US, they're wondering, is he playing enough? Because he's the main man for the US and he's doing very, very well. So it's important for him to play pre-World Cup I think being at Arsenal, you know, given that Arsenal are now quite internationally known in the US, I wonder how people feel about him being the second choice at Arsenal, but potentially with the Champions League coming on board, would he be playing even less games potentially? So Matt Turner has to think about this as well, his career. Though I'm I'm one of those people that's okay with Matt Turner. I think the more he plays, the better he becomes. And I'm okay with Amstel. However, what I will say is Ramsdale's somebody that needs to be put under pressure. I think he's at his best when he feels or when he's on his toes. He's admitted it himself. That's why he banters with crowds, to keep his concentration high. He, he banters with crowds so that they'll give him stick. He said, well, I can't let a goal in now. And that sharpens him up. right? So, so if you expect to see the best of Ramsdale in a pre-season friendly, you're not going to. Honestly, you're just mm. not going to. That's not the way he's built. There are some players, and I, I say the same for Declan Rice, by the way, you're not going to. The harder it is, the better they get. And that's just the way some players are built. You see them in tough games. In in flat track bully games, you don't see them. You know, and so other people step up and get and score three and everyone thinks they're brilliant. Well, I'm not interested in those. I'm interested in the big games and what you do in those big moments. And Ramsell, to be fair to him, apart from Southampton <laughs> at home, in the big games, the big moments, he was there. He was there, mega spurs away, big saves big saves that people just dismiss. A lot of our big, a lot of our three twos and four twos, he was there. You know, he was there making the big saves in all of those games. A few moments where you think, mm, but big saves, you know, and I do think he's a moments goalkeeper that gets himself up for big moments. And he seems like a very sensitive, strong personality. There's probably one goalkeeper that would affect him in a negative way, coming in would be David Rayo. Because the relationship with the goalkeeping coach and the goalkeeper is very, very important. And if you know your goalkeeping coach absolutely loves the other goalkeeper, how does that make you feel? How does that make mm. you feel? Because basically, in, in Yaki Kenya and David Rayo go back. They go back a long way. That's his guy. Yeah. If he was to come, you know what it's like at work when you when a, a new boss comes and he brings somebody else in <laughs> from the old firm. Mm-hmm. And you're there thinking, "Oh my god, that's his guy." I don't stand a chance here, you know. And you it's, it, you might do a fantastic job, but it's in your mind that they have a relationship that you don't have. It goes back that you don't have it, and so 
that would worry me from a, from a people side of things, from a goalkeeping side of things, they're both very good. You know, seriously, mate, they're yeah. both very good. There's not an issue there. So it becomes the third leg to that chair is financials. At the moment for me, they don't stack up. But that story is to be told. Let's um let's just get the data out there to be clear. <clears throat> um if you're into goalkeeping data, and I think that it falls into the category of not being the best at capturing the quality of the players. Um mm. Aaron Ramsdale ranks not particularly highly on post-shot expected goals saved data, yeah. which is a lot of words for one data point, but essentially it's saying here's what would have been expected to be scored from the places the shots were taken. Can I ask here's a question? You let in. Before yeah, you yeah. get mm-hmm. stuck into these stats, mm-hmm. yeah. what's your feeling on the maturity of goalkeeping stats? I would say that there's there's a lot missing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think there's a lot of things that make it difficult to know what the stats are capturing. Um, for example, John Harrison does some excellent work evaluating goalkeepers. And one of the things that he's developed is a methodology for evaluating like 1v1 save. Yeah. Uh, and and he has Ramsdale as one of the best in 1v1s. Yeah. Okay? So that, you know, I think that's something that, to bear in mind. That goes to my big moments. That goes to my big moment scenario. In my mind, you know you remember things? That most of the things I remember, positive things, are the big one-on-ones. Maybe they'll pull away. You know, the big stuff, the big moments. He he does that quite well. Yeah. And and I, I think that that like I said, Harrison rates him highly there. There are, you know, more basic and generic stats, like the ones I mentioned, where he's not rated particularly highly. And this is two seasons in a row where he was kind of below average, you know, not mm-hmm. near the top in those stats. I think one of the features of Ramsdale's game that I was really impressed with when he first arrived was his distribution. It was actually a big question for me because he had launched the ball so much, right, uh, in, in his yeah. earlier in his career because he'd been with clubs that didn't play back to front, and he came in. His distribution was good. If I'm honest, I think his distribution has been shakier, has has not progressed the way I would yeah. hope necessarily. Um, he's made some errors playing out from the back. I think he sometimes, when the pressure gets ratcheted up, he goes long um, instead of sticking with his principles and playing short. Um, you know, we saw some of the distribution issues at MetLife. We saw uh, him let in a goal he shouldn't at MetLife. That pitch was very bad, by the way, and obviously still very early fast. in preseason. So I want to be cautious in overstating that. But when you add it all up and you look at Ramsdale, I don't see Ramsdale as someone holding us back from achieving our goals. But the goal is to build the strongest possible team imaginable. And I think the simple reality of Arsenal being interested in Raya, again, Having wanted him from the beginning, Raya, how are we going to say this? David Raya? David, David Raya. Raya. Yep. Raya. Raya. Okay. Um, <laughs> Raya. Did you say Raya? Yeah, I said Raya. Is it like rye bread or, or ray of sunlight? Hey, look, we're, talking to, we're talking to different accents here. Let's just focus on this. <laughs> that, that, all right. Fair point. The, the Brentford guy, I think Brentford, our interesting Brentford guy is, is a sign that there is at least a sense that it can be upgraded. Because the one thing I don't believe, Clive, you can't convince me that we're looking at this guy 
purely just to be one and one out with Turner as the backup to Ramsdale. Not at the money that's being mooted, not at, not given that we were interested well, The money in that you was mooted when Spurs went for him. That's the thing. There is a number associated 40. to Arsenal yet, is there? There is a number associated to Arsenal interest based on the fact that the goalkeeping dominoes are moving. With De Gea going mm. to Bayern as potentially back up to Neuer, Bayern saving money for Harry Kane, no doubt. Why spend money when you can just get Kane in? So there's that scenario. Then obviously with Brentford having bought the goalkeeper, the potential exit strategy for Turner developing, and suddenly Arsenal are sitting there as a home to take on somebody on a decent wage at Brentford probably don't want to carry on their books because they're a very forward-thinking club. And so that number won't be 40. Why should it be? Do you see? Why should it be? I think mm. if I was him, I would have gone to Spurs, but Brentford priced him out, right? So um, Spurs went another direction. So I think, let's see what happens. If it's 25, what would you say? You know? I mean, you know me with my my refrigerators analogy, right? Those, those people who have not been listening long enough to know this is that I, I think a refrigerator is one of those things in your house that you really want to have a nice one, but you have no use for a second one. <laughs> and like, yeah. if you look at Ederson at City or Allison at Liverpool, you know, some of the really good keepers, even De Gea at United over the years, um, Loris at, at Spurs, like, you can name these keepers that have been there a long time. They play all the games and... I don't think any of them have backups that you'd say are a one, you know, one for one, like for like swap in kind of quality. You know, Liverpool without mm-hmm. Allison would be worse. City without Ederson would be worse. I think Matt Turner is a, a level of backup keeper that you'd be thrilled to have. Frankly, I, I think the idea that you can sustain Ramsdale and Brentford keeper guy at the <laughs> at the same yeah. at the same time is questionable. Because I do, I look, you know, I don't tend to get too much into the whole dressing room. Um, rapport, you know, yeah. camaraderie kind of thing. But I do think it is important, and I think Arsenal have built something really special in terms of the way the pieces fit together from a camaraderie standpoint, from a, yeah. a team mentality standpoint. And, and Ramsdale is a big character, a big character in that team. I do wonder what would happen if suddenly he's fighting for his place and maybe doesn't keep his place and, you know, he's not starting some big games and does that slightly throw off the dynamic, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. And it's, it's lots of, we all know, we understand a little bit more about what dressing rooms, what a bad dressing room looks like because we've had, yeah. a, had a few. <laughs> and yeah. now we've got a really good one where the camaraderie is absolutely fantastic and we can all see it. But, so that does bother me. As I said earlier on, there's one goalkeeper that would unsettle him more than anybody else. And, and it's this guy. So from a football side of things, I just read a little stat here that he, uh, Ray has, Number one in the Premier League for long passes. Now, again, watching preseason, watching teams clamp onto us, watching teams be really aggressive, particularly Manchester United, and then watching the second game in it and watching how direct we were on occasions to get over the the press, and I, and I was loving it because I want that variation. Then suddenly you got a goalkeeper that's number one for long passes, potentially being signed. The, the game is the game is going again. People are sick of being mm. caught in build-up, and they're going direct again. You know? can, and, um, can I say something about that? Like, ahead, this is the problem with data, right? Is 
he number one in long passes because Ivan Tony is a fantastic Correct. target to Good hit. Point. You know, like th- these are the things that are difficult. Um, the other thing is what counts as a completed long pass? Because the other day, Ramsdale hit a beautiful ball up the pitch to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus wins the 1v1. It, it falls to Trissard and he scores a goal. Technically, the pass wasn't completed. So that's an incomplete long pass for yeah. Ramsdale, right? So it, this is the only problem, I think, with with data, especially with goalkeepers, is that it, it, it's hard to take other factors into account. You know, who you're hitting with that long ball makes a big difference. Another thing that I've always been convinced of is there are keepers that are great when they're active, but aren't great when they're not active. For example, Almunia was a good example of this. Manuel Almunia in games where we were getting battered was actually quite a good keeper. But in the games where he had to make the one save, you know, or, or make the one play, he, he wasn't wired for that. There are some keepers that I just think need to be battered with shots, right? Need to be active, need to be yeah. making saves throughout the game. And and it takes a very special mentality of a keeper to play like an Ederson, for example, where for long stretches of the game, you're standing 40 yards from your own goal watching. Yeah, and <laughs> so Ramsdale does that pretty a, well. very different style. Ramsdale does it yeah. pretty well. And so on the long passes thing, what I will say to you is that David Rea looks like an outfield player. He plays like an yeah. outfield player. And so when I, the fact he's got good numbers, and your great point about Ivan Tony, but mate, when you see him strike the ball, it's 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 proper stuff, <laughs> right? So he looks very very natural, and and Ramsdale's very very good. This kid is, is, is better. Right, so um, mm-hmm. Anana coming in for Manchester United, he's a natural outfield player, right? So, yeah, I was um, just thinking that. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sorry, they just that's the way they are. You know, I think Ramsdale's excellent at many parts of the game. Although I do think some of his near post, he, he leaves the big side of his goal sometimes, particularly when shots coming on our left back side. I think he dies the wrong way, and I think he. Um, some of his one-on-one stuff is a, is a little bit strange from that side of the pitch. From the other side of the pitch, I think he's really, really good, strangely enough. And, um, and we'll just not talk about the penalties, but we're nitpicking here. I'm not a goalkeeping expert. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I like, I like the idea of these things, but I don't know every time if we need to do it. But the fact Arsenal are looking and the big man David has said so, I think it's interesting. I think it's a, it's a goalkeeping department thing. Now, looking at that whole group of goalkeepers, it's the one position that I think, I wonder if we are thinking about it maturely enough. There's got to, there's got to come a point at some time where you're just going to have two good goalkeepers. It's got to happen, right? The amount of games that are being played, the amount of mental pressure these players are under, it's whether we can deal with that. You know, is that good use of funds? You know, I, I don't know. It, feel, it doesn't feel quite right to me, but I wonder if our thinking needs to mature about what the goalkeeping position really constitutes. And it's just one position. You've got three or four goalkeepers on one position. It doesn't feel right. There needs to be something there. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have a right back like that, you know? So um, you, you need to think about position differently. Is this the guy? I don't know, Elliot. 50-50, but he's good enough. And I think he'll look, he'll look better in a more possession team. I think mm-hmm. he'll have more touches. I think he'll look better in a team like Arsenal. He's definitely good enough, that's for sure. Yeah, just to put it in perspective, um, in the Premier League last season, David Rea tied for third in post-shot expected goal plus or minus, meaning based on what would have been expected to be scored, he kept more yeah. out than would have been expected. Uh, number one was Allison. Number two 
was Bern Leno. Number three and four were Keppa and Raya. And and even though Keppa's kind of had kind of become a joke, he did have a a hell of a a season, uh, just kind of a comeback season for him. Now, this is, yep, this yep, is where sorry. goalkeepers are, are different, right? Because I I've watched Keppa and he's and he's had a better season. But you know, would you if I said to you forty million for Keppa or forty million for David Raya, you'd go for David Raya, right? So. Um, Kepa's well, not- yeah, because we've seen Keppa, to be fair, a lot of that is because we've seen Keppa just be a complete joke of a keeper, yeah. which is worrying. He has that on his resume. He's still frozen in me. He's got short arms, man, yeah. honestly. And, um, <laughs> and you know... Raya is kind of short, by the way. That's one to keep in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's exceptional. He's got exceptional bound, and and that's why he comes across his so well. I, I don't worry about him on that side of thing. Was, again, Tim first shouted this one out when we had Leno. He said that he, he looks like a mid-table goalkeeper. You know, he's, he's and I know what he meant by that now. And I thought that's a great shout. And and Leno does really, really well, but he never quite convinced us because of the relationship he didn't have with his back four. I didn't feel a synergy of his back four. I didn't feel those relationships. I didn't feel their work as a unit. And Ramsdale's take that to a new level. I think his personality is very important to to our club. And my big fear with this is I don't want to dent his personality and make him smaller than what he is. That would really hurt mm. us. And I'm not, again, we, you can't protect people. You've got to push people. We're, we're talking elite sport here. But he's such a big person. And that I, just, I, I wouldn't want to put that at risk, but maybe that's me being a bit of a softy. Just to, by comparison, Aaron Ramsdale ranked 24th in post-shot expected save percentage in the Premier League. Um, obviously, there are not 24 starting keepers, so <laughs> not a great sign. Uh, Rea had a better cross-stop percentage. He had a higher number of outside-the-penalty-area defensive actions per 90. In other words, like more sweeper actions, uh, completed his long passes longer, but we've already covered that. Uh, completed his long passes more regularly. Obviously, we've we, we covered that. I think, again, I, I don't want to make this all about the stats because I think there's so much more here than the stats. I, I think if you believe that a squad is mostly about talent but somewhat about the alchemy of personalities, I think we have kind of completely hit the nail on the head with the alchemy of personalities side of it. Mm-hmm. And and it would be a worry to me to to mess with that. I mean, this is going to sound terrible there's a part of me that almost wonders if you'd be better off moving Ramsdale rather than keeping him if he's not the starter. I I just, I yeah. wonder what that would do to the dynamic. Now, and I'm not saying that's what we should do. And by the way, I'm not saying we're going to get Raya, but I think if David Ornstein, David Ornstein, if David Ornstein is, uh, it's, it's a mess for me with the pronunciations today, but if David Ornstein is reporting the interest, and we know that there was genuine interest before we went for Ramsdale, it, it certainly feels genuine. We can start to move on from this, but I'll, I'll just say this, Cliver, or ask you this. When you look at the first 11, and I know we don't think in first 11s anymore, we think in terms of squad, but if you if you just think about the the names that are probably going to get picked most commonly, I don't know where the weak link is. I guess if, you know, if someone forced you to say you have to upgrade one of those positions, it it might be keeper, right? I mean, and again, that's, that's not to say that I would even do it, but there's it's a very, very good, quote, first 11, unquote. And if you had to make an upgrade somewhere, I guess that might be the spot you'd do it. I think there's no harm in competition. Um, I, 
I look at it and, well, I, I could find other positions, Elliot. <laughs> but what I will say is, it's the club's job to look for opportunities. This could be a market opportunity which they will be silly not to have a look at to upgrade the goalkeeping position as a whole. We naturally go to first 11s because that's what, that's what we do. <laughs> we just select them straight away. And, um, mm. But the goalkeeping position as a whole at Arsenal has some question marks around it. Now, some people are not impressed with Matt Turner, not impressed with him. Some people are starting to question Aaron Ramsdale, as you alluded to, and particularly the data community. Our young keepers are need to go and play. We don't have an experienced elder statesman in the group. But the goalkeeping position, the club is looking at it, and that's their job. Right? That is their job. And we are speculating about something that broke two hours ago. And we've got people out the door already. <laughs> but, um, but I think it's the right thing to do. We think they should do it ahead of time. And if there's a market opportunity with a goalkeeper like Davy Ray with his data top of the charts, and he's got one year's contract to go, and, he's, and his first move has fallen down, his second move has fallen down, and Arsenal said, oh, we, we might be interested in that. Can we take some crumbs off your table? Oh, by the way, we're not paying 40. That's what you should be doing, Elliot. looking at market opportunities, not letting them walk past you. And that's the job of the, the recruitment guys at the club, and they've done a good job in the last few years. So, fair play to them. Keep pushing, mate. Keep yep. pushing. Forget our soft dressing room stuff. It's their job to keep pushing us to be the best they can possibly be. And uh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I, I just look at it this way. I mean, if you look at Spurs, if you look at Chelsea, if you look at Arsenal City, United, Newcastle, you know, it's really been a one keeper, a one keeper league, basically. I mean, De Gea, 38 starts, Ramsdale, 38 starts, Raya, 38 starts, Allison, 37 starts, Pickford, 37 starts, Pope, 37 starts, Bern Leno, Jose Sa, Ederson, 36, 36, 35, uh, Emmy Martinez, 35 starts, Lucas Fabianski, 35 starts, Meslier, 34 starts. You know, you, you can go down the list this way. Ultimately, I, I do think you can get by with one elite keeper and a true backup. Um, and because the Champions League is not the Europa League, I also think it's less likely that you're going to see a backup keeper take the European competition. So this this is a really, really interesting one. And I feel so pulled in so many directions because on the one hand, keeper is not the place I'd be investing right now. If you said to me, we can make a 40 million pound buy one more before the window closes, I'm looking at another forward before I'm looking to try to improve the keeper core. Um, I would I would stick with Ramsdale and Turner and buy another forward. Now, it doesn't work that way. We might be able to buy Raya and another forward, which would be fine. We also have a lot of sales that have to happen. Mikel was very clear. The squad is too big. It's not sustainable. Players have to go. So it may be a case of Turner is going to go. That gives us room to add a keeper. We might as well add the one we've always wanted and see what happens. This may not be a referendum on Ramsdale so much as it is, to your point, Clive, a market opportunity. Turner's going to go because he needs to play. And Raya is available and we can get him. And so... They will share competitions a bit, and and there'll be a genuine keeper competition, and that can be a great thing. To your point about Ramsdale needing to be pushed, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It would definitely be, I I think, 
the clearest example, we'd have the best two keepers <laughs> probably in world football in terms of a 1A and 1B, which is what they would be because there wouldn't be a starter and a backup. Uh, how that shakes out in terms of the dressing room remains to be seen. Now, I guess that can lead us into the conversation, Clive, about where the rest of the squad is right now. And, and ultimately, all eyes for me, I think, are on the midfield and just how that's setting up right now. It's a really interesting cluster of midfielders that we have. And as we get close to the season, I don't know if I feel 100% sure of who should start and where when the season kicks off other than Martin Odegaard. We've now had a chance to see a few different configurations of the midfield in a couple of intense preseason friendlies. Where do you stand right now on the state of the midfield and whether we're there's a clear view to how we are going to want to set up for that Forest game when the season kicks off? Oh, well, we've got a couple of games to go yet, which will mm. be uh, on, on proper pitches and environments <laughs> with the ball moving at the right speed, etc. And um, But I, I thought the two games were really interesting to watch and, and how we experimented half on half, see what worked. Uh, in the second game, it looked a little bit more like us. Um, Odegaard didn't have a great game, actually, in my opinion, but... Again, just like we did for the first game, we, he was a little bit slow coming back from preseason, got a bit of a knock, and maybe was a little bit leggy. Um, still looked more like Martin Odegaard than than not, but not quite himself. I do think um, there was so much interesting stuff going on with um, with Havertz, with, with Party in the second game. I I quite liked how Thomas Party played in that second game, particularly when we went two one down. I thought he just he just took it he just took it over and. Look really, really good. And much to your point about the goalkeepers, looks like a player that's suddenly looking lively and urgent, taking quick free kicks. He's looking busy. A player that's now thinking, I have to work really hard to stay in this room. You know, and, I, and so I thought I was really sort of impressed with him. I liked how Havertz sort of did compared to the first game. I just liked how he's looks like he's trying to learn. You know, and um, his first touch is really, really good. He knows where his spots are in the box. Um, there's still more to come. You know, there's still more ball dominance to come. But I thought he looked he looked really interesting. Uh, Jorginho, again, he's just taken over the Elneny with, with a bit more leadership and coaching. I think he's, he, he's almost like a coach on the pitch. I, I, I sort of like what he does. Again, he has his limits. He definitely gambles on the front foot. He definitely gambles an attacker when his bypass is over. So yeah, I, I thought it's okay. I think we're seeing what we're seeing at it is a, a number of players competing before we even get to Vieira and Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe came on the second game for the first fifty minutes of that second half. At so far, he looked really, really good. You know, really good, really bright, moving the ball. The way he, the way he interpreted his position was was different to Havertz. Havertz started high and rolled in. Smith Rowe started a little bit deeper and carried forward. I thought that was really smart, whether it's coach instruction or player-led. Really smart. You're now using your your super strength. Havertz receiving high up is, is really good. And Smith Rowe's carrying is really good. And so don't play position the same as each other. Play where it works for you. You know, and I thought I thought that was really good. So what we're seeing now is a set of players fighting, mate, to have a tracksuit on. Seriously, that's what we're talking about. We've got people fighting for a bench mm. position. That changes everything. And 
we can't sit here. We, we did here towards the end of last season and basically pick the team every single game and then say, we want to beat Man City, the best team in the world. Then when competition rears its ugly head, say, oh, I'm not sure about that. You know, we're, we need to embrace it because if we want to beat them, we need everybody at it. You know, everybody at it. They cannot have a down day and... And I've, I've got to get with it as well. You know, we all want to win, don't we? We want to, we want to, we want to beat, we want to beat these guys. We're not mm. going to beat them being, being like the Colney Crusher game. We've got to be really, really hungry, and really want it, and really embrace that competition. You know, and I think the goalkeeper conversation we have is part of that, and the midfield conversation is developing that way as well, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of feels that way. I mean, the thing with the goalkeeper com- conversation, not to go back to it. Is it, it is, is a very, very important position. So if you just put yeah. our hands up and say this, I think we underestimate how important mm-hmm. it is. You, you read out the start to those goalkeepers earlier on, that like Meslier yep. had a terrible season. Terrible season. Lloris, terrible season. You know, these goalkeepers, and, they've had, and they absolutely affect the whole team when they have a bad year. De Gea, sh- shocking goalkeeper. He's, mm-hmm. a free, he's out. No one's coming for him yet. Oh, it's a backup by Munich. As a backup, he was on 350 a week. Yeah. Well, they completely chinned him and bought someone in for over 50 million pounds. So let's not underestimate this position. That number, that price of 40 is heavy. But, you know, we could, probably, we could potentially have two goalkeepers at a price of the Anana cost. Do you see what I mean? We have to recognize the importance of that position. It is hugely important. When it's wrong, nothing works for you. Yeah, I, I mean, but the thing is, right, it, it's not about how it syncs up with the rest of the team in some respect. As long as the player can play the style you want, you pick the best one and that's that. Yeah. Midfield is a very different thing because you need the right combination of characteristics, the right combination of skills that complement one another and, and stitch together well. And this is the first time, really, I, I find us going into a season. Now, we're not done yet. There's a couple more preseason games. There's work still to be done, in go, incomings and outgoings. I find myself thinking, I don't know who I would want Mikel to pick if Forrest was tomorrow. You know, if the Forrest game's tomorrow, I, I'd be really struggling because I think you could make an argument for playing Troussard in the Havertz role. I think you could make an argument for playing Party over Declan Rice. And when I say that, you know, there are people that have really, really... I think strong opinions that you cannot pay 105 million pounds for a player and then not start that player day one. The fee only matters when you're trying to do the transfer. Once the transfer is done, the fee stops mattering. What's mattering is what's best for the team. If Thomas Party was 24 and played like he had the last two seasons for us, he might be a 105 million pound player. <clears throat> That's how good he's been at times. Now, Thomas Party's drawbacks have been availability and has formed in the seasons the last two seasons. And I think the Declan Rice acquisition is, is tied to that at some level. But right now, he's there and he's very good. And, and I wonder, Clive, I mean, is there, is there a world where you can ease Declan Rice in? Because I, I've said this before, and I know I'm, I'm repeating myself a bit, but changing Shaka to Havertz and Party to Rice day one is a lot of change. We have to do it with the Havertz one because we don't have Shaq anymore, but we don't have to do it with the party one because we still have him, at least for the time being. So I don't think it's the end of the world. 
if we want to opt for continuity early in the season. Do you? Yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned by by this. I think um, when a player has a good game, we will select we will select him in our 11s. Mm. When a player has a good half an hour, we're thinking he's back. <laughs> Let's get him into the side. At this moment in time, the end of last season, Martinelli got a high ankle sprain. And he was late, later back to preseason. He's a little bit behind. And Trossard now, to me, looks like the better player than Martinelli at this moment in time. So what? We know Martinelli. <laughs> no, seriously, so what? Mm. What you don't want to be doing, you want to be you want to be selecting based on what someone's doing. And Trossard looks good at the moment. And Martinelli's a bit behind. It's just heading into August. You know, We've crumbled in April the last two years. I Let's not worry about August, shall we? August will take mm. care of itself. The players that come back in good shape, invest in them. Rumours that parties come back in good shape, it looks like he has, doesn't it? It looks like he's worked over the summer. Last year, Granit Xhaka came back in unbelievable shape. Look what he did over the season. Smith Rowe's improving. Not there yet, but improving physically. Right. So, Gabby Jesus in the last game looked excellent to me. Look really, really good. I'd, really? I, mm-hmm. I'd forgotten. I know it sounds crazy, but I'd forgotten that player, how influential he was, and he's winning on the first balls. He's holding the ball, turning around, just brilliant. But there've been some really, really good interviews with Declan Rice, and there's one with Melissa Reddy on Sky. Uh, I'm sure most people have seen it. It's a nine minute on Sky. Find it if you if you haven't seen it, and. He said, it's just a line that came out earlier, he said, Mikel hasn't brought me just for my ability. He's brought me, I'm not sure he said just my ability, he hasn't brought me for my ability. And people check me on that. He's brought me for other things I can bring. And I thought, that is it. Because Mm. we want to raise the bar of this team, to make it a winning team. And some of the things that we lack was our ability to recover from bad moments, our ability to recover from mistakes, our ability to ride out bad moments and change momentum, our ability to win games physically the way we lacked physically. The players we've brought in literally fixed the problems we saw in the last third of the season. They are all transition monsters, off-the-ball runners. They do all the things that don't come in the sunny months of August. You know, and I think this is... So I'm not worried about Declan Rice playing in August. I tell you when I do want him, though. I want him when we're going to Old Trafford away. And it's windy, and I want him there. And I don't want to be... Mm. I, I want him there for that moment. And that's what really counts, because they're the ones... They're the points that we really need to win. And I want him when we go to City away. I want him for those big moments. You know, and I think... You know, the, the, the team will select itself based on the rhythm of the season where we're in at that particular moment in time. So... I'm I'm not concerned. As long as we have enough quality on that day and we're brave enough to select it, let's not start talking about lack of depth because I think we've got some at the moment. Oh, we, we sure do. Um, and it's interesting, right? Because the club that I think is most embodied figuring themselves out in August and September and being unbeatable in April and May is Manchester City. Mm. I feel like there's an article every... Like late September about Manchester City, that's like such and such player hasn't made them better. They they don't look themselves. <laughs> and next thing you know, they've won fifteen of sixteen to finish the season and and yeah. walk the league. You know, it's it's what they do. And 
they play early in the season to position themselves to be ready to dominate late in the season. And the last two seasons, we've kind of done the opposite. So we need to correct that. And I think Declan Rice is a huge part of correcting that. One thing we saw in the Barcelona game, Clive, that I, I think as you watch it, could be a really interesting weapon for us this season is Saka in swinger to the back post to Havertz. Um, You know, and and I I don't think we have fully figured out yet, but I don't think anyone can stop Saka cutting in on his left and delivering the ball to the back post. And I think, I think Havertz's runs to the back post, his aerial ability, his ability to win the ball uh, first time will be important. Now, ironically, it's Odegaard who heads down to Havertz for the goal against Barca. But do you think that dynamic, just seeing those runs, we've seen a couple of them this preseason already, could be one of the big things that Mikel was targeting with that position because they feel tailor-made for one another, Saka and, and Havertz in that respect. Yeah, we we should have had the left 8-10 pod, just that discussion, because we've had it a million times. And mm. working that position out has been such an interesting one. Data-wise, I mean, Shaka's numbers went down from like 80-90 touches a game in the deep position to like 40-50. Yep. Yeah, 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 he had his best ever season. Why is that? You know, again, what do you remember? You remember the moments in the game, the crosses for Eddie's goal against Man United, goal against Spurs. I mean, he's, he's talking seven and seven, I think he was. Um, mm-hmm. He's having good moments in the areas of the pitch, but fans go home and remember, right? All the tackles and the ugly stuff, we don't remember that until he's not on the pitch and, we, and we're 2 0 down at Bournemouth. We think, where is he? You know, so, um, yeah. and so. That, that's what Havertz needs to learn when to be the glue, you know, and or or then is it Rice and Party and they become the glue? And so we ha- again we have these options to go physical if we really want to. That position is an off the ball position, and Havertz is the off the ball player in the league. And we just went and bought him, mm. and I never saw it. And I to this day, I think to myself, you know, I love to think I'm I'm learning about the game, and but there, there are just people just in a different place to you, and um, how. People might say, well, Clive Havertz, he isn't that good. The rest of it, I'm thinking, I don't care, mate. The identification of that player and his superpowers and his strengths versus how we play, what we have on our right-hand side, how we play that position, how we make it a running position. Havertz is a cross-country runner. Just tall, slim, constant movement, Mm. sees space, understands when to go into it, understands when to arrive into it. We have conversations on here, Alec. Imagine Aaron Ramsey in this team. Imagine him in that position allowed to run free. There was no greater cross-country runner than Aaron Ramsey. There are people saying if there's a and who'd win a marathon in the club, it would be him. You know, and um mm. and we've got another one, but he's six foot three, six foot four. You know, as a dimension to our game in that position. If you want to post him up at number nine and have him in the center of the pitch receiving with runners all around him, we can do that and I don't think we'd suffer at all for it. Yeah. You know, and so such a smart player. I so hope he works out. I think I said before I think the ceiling of our team is in him I really believe that's a big statement we can see the projection of the rest of the players we know where Martinelli's going we've seen Jeju's come back we see where Saka's going we see what Odegaard has done we brought in Rice we know Party is 30 but we know what he can do and the, and the team plays to his drumbeat at the moment and that's, a, that's for us to work out in the future our young defender group hybrid defenders they're all going to go up in, in quality and their experience. But that one guy, Havertz, is the 24-year-old risk. But if the risk pays off, the ceiling of his team is huge. I truly believe that. 
And I think Arsenal are the perfect team for to maximize his skill set. Yeah. Um I, I think the thing people would say about the comparison with Ramsey is people probably trusted Ramsey running the other direction a little more than they trust Havertz running the other direction. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I, I disagree. But um, but but I, but then again, I wasn't a huge Ramsey fan because I felt we overburdened him in the midfield too. He mm. should always be in the midfield three and he should always be allowed to run forward and not expect him to run backwards so much and defend. With Havertz in this role, he doesn't have to run backwards as much because there's that we use things called inverted fullbacks and things like that, you know, <laughs> that are there. And you know, I did I, I did a tweet the other day actually. And I, was, I say it on on here, the way football developing now is is a front five, back five, and it's almost like you have a set of backs that can play forward that are judged about how they can pass forward and play forward, and you have a set of forwards and how they can defend. And all our forwards are really good defenders really good pressers and we judged our forwards now on pressing and defensive actions and we judge our defenders now on progressive passes and the ability to progress the ball it's really strange how the game is becoming and it eventually be numberless eventually you know so um and so so looking back and having things like midfielders per se is it just five plus five five forwards five defenders five defenders that start the play five forwards that protect you first line of defense score the goal, roll in to midfield, leave that space empty to allow ball progression. It's such an interesting game now compared to what it used to be. Yeah, well, with the introduction of Havertzen, there's there's just that little more focus on how we defend the left side of the pitch, I think. Um, the I think the suspicion was that Rice can cover the ground a little more, which helps, and he's an elite ball winner. It does, I think, lead people to wonder a little more about the left-back situation, I still think Zinchenko is probably the most underappreciated player we have in the whole squad. I think if you had if you said to me, name the one player who most significantly changed the way we were able to play last season versus the season before, it's probably Zinchenko more than anyone. But we've seen a number of other players play that role this preseason in the absence of Zinchenko, Clive, because Zinchenko has not been fit and available. And I, I think at this point, it is very unlikely he starts the season given yeah. that we have not seen him play a minute in preseason. And Mikel made some interesting comments about him, actually. Not, I don't want to read anything into them. But he made some comments about him post-Barcelona and said, you know, it's a shame he hasn't um, been able to play during the tour. And, and he had some comments about sort of like, that that maybe almost suggested like maybe he could have. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to read too much into it. But we've seen Kivior play there. We've seen Tomiyasu play there. We've seen Tierney play there a bit. Against Barcelona, we saw Jury and Timber play there. I thought of those four, Timber's the one who impressed me the most. Um, and I think if the season started tomorrow, it'd probably be Timber that would start in that role. And I think he gives that little bit extra athleticism covering the space, but he can do more of what Zinchenko does, I think, on the ball in ball progression. Now he does it a little more with carrying than passing, maybe in a way Zinchenko does, but What's your read on on left back? And if, if Zinchenko isn't fit to start the season, is, is Timber the one in the pole position, you think, to get that role? I think so. And, and then Kivio will be just behind him, you know, and um, I thought he did well in the games. But I just think Timber did. I was really impressed with my left back. I wasn't so impressed with my right back, by the way. I, I thought people yeah. just was 
new player thing. Oh, he looks good. I, I, I thought he looked good for five minutes, and, uh, and I thought he was part of our destabilization in in that game. And um, but on left back side, I thought Timber because I've always been a fan of Tommy Assi. I, I don't mind a righty on the left hand side. I think it's a natural mm. thing for for ball progression. And where Tommy Assi is in his health and fitness, I thought Timber was just better and looked better. And I thought, tick, that's done. You know, and um, again, pressure in that position because Zinchenko has been transformational to this team and how we view the midfield. I mean, I did not see that coming, you know, a year ago. And so Timber now does it slightly differently. He's so aggressive. Again, defending on that side, we need to shut that side down, don't we? You know, stop giving it away. And, I, I, you know, his ability to just punch through and then go. So where Zinchenko stays behind the ball a lot, so it's just then when he punches forward and someone's got to drop in, we're seeing new personalities come into the team, you know. And I, I think it's, I think it's really good. Uh, you know, different runs. You know, Timber sometimes was wide and going down the line. Another time he'd underlap, just but then punch through. Then he'd sit mm. for a while and just and just just own the side. I thought he was excellent. He's, he's such an interesting player. Really. It's like we saw it on the scouting. Didn't we? we said I said it already. I've got deja vu. But literally, any point on the pitch you gave him the ball, he looked all right there. You know, and that's that, that, that is a very special talent. I'm not saying he looks special there, but he just made the right decisions. Whether he's seeing it back to goal, whether he's receiving it running forward, the ball just comes in and he just creates a, a moment. And I, I think he's such an interesting sign for 22-year-old. Brilliant signing. I think he's a great player and he'll find ways to play a lot this season. One thing that I think is interesting, though, you've just said, you know, if Zinchenko's not available, you think it'd be Timber there and then maybe Kivior just behind. Well, if it's Zinchenko, if he's fit, Timber, if he's not, Kivior behind that, I think it's just an indication of why we need to find a, a home for Kieran Tierney. Um, yeah. You know, he's on 100, what, about 120K a week? Yeah. He's a player who should not be third or fourth choice somewhere, and I, I don't think he'll want to be, and I don't think it's right that he should be. And you know, that's an example of work we still have to do, Clive. There are a lot of outgoings that still have to happen. Potentially Turner, as we've discussed. Rob Holding would be one, I think, who would need to go. Flo Balligan, I, I presume, will go, even if many people would like him to stay. Um, Tierney should probably be off for everybody's best interest. There's maybe even discussion of Eddie and Keddie at a Crystal Palace. I've seen some rumors, although not by anyone credible particularly. The Balgan thing is interesting to me in a way, Clive, as we talk a little bit about moves that need to be done still. Hoyland, is that how you say it? Hoyland? Hoyland? Yeah. Yep. Hoyland. Um, just went to Manchester United for 75 plus 10 million euros? Mm, euros, maybe 85 yeah, yeah, million yeah. euros? Yeah. 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 So, you know, maybe 65 million pounds or whatever the case may be. It's a guy who's coming off a season of what, nine goals and about 1,800 minutes. Now he's 20 and he's coming from Syria. You can't just use stats with these guys when they're 20, right? Because they've, they've only just started to integrate. So the younger the player, the less the stats matter and the more you have to trust the eye test. And he is big, he is strong, he is fast. There is a bit of the trying to catch the Holland lightning in a bottle with him, I think. Um, but when you look at what Flo Balligan did in Lee Gun, and you look at what Hoyland has, has done, there will certainly be, I think, people that suggest that that's a bit of a market maker for Balligan. Do you have a sense of, you know, where where we should be looking in terms of outgoings with, with Balligan and Kedia and maybe if the Hoyland fee has repercussions or bearings on on what the market should be for our strikers? 
I think um, you say market maker, it depends on your market. So it looks like Balogun is destined for Italy. So we know that it's not Manchester United buying him. It's not Manchester United buying him, about to be bought by Qataris, etc. And so it's just the the market. And uh, if Balogun goes to Italy for 40, 45 million, I think that's that's a good deal for Arsenal and my point it's a good deal for him and he he wants to play it's, it's interesting the Eddie thing that's come up um, I've only seen it like you have Elliot and just thought, mm, that's interesting Crystal Palace haven't really haven't really made that known massively so I'm not sure I'm just not sure about that rumour and Eddie looks really happy at the club the club look really happy with him but Balogun is the opportunity and I do agree with you and Tini is the opportunity and just like David Rea is an opportunity potentially in the market if we can find an exit. There are opportunities for us the way you say to yourself, we can cover that position. You know, if we were to lose a Balogun, we'd probably be looking at maybe another forward, or we or do we just develop what we have? Because there were bright sparks from Smith Rowe and there were bright sparks from from Vieira. Some people say that's not enough, Clive, we need to get somebody in. Um I think it can change very quickly with a couple of games. People are allowed to develop. Then you think, why did we do that? Why did Arsenal spend £72 million Nicola Pepe when there was a kid in the academy sitting there? Right? And within four months, the kid looked better than our signing. You know? And so you have to just sometimes, you have to wait and let people develop into their position because then you just don't throw money away because the Pepe money with the wages, that's over £100 million. Gone. Right, written off. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, so I'm open to development of those two players and see what Trussard is doing. He's amazing. So, yeah, I think to, I'm not afraid to renew. You know, I'm not afraid to sell, mate. Just you, sometimes you got to do it. You got to do it because you find different things. And um, the signs we made so far have really made me interested. Really sparked my interest about where we could actually go. Yeah, I mean, you look at the squad right now, and you know, Sambi obviously needs to go somewhere, and Pepe needs to go somewhere, and one of Eddie and Balogun, if not both, potentially need to go somewhere, and Tierney needs to go somewhere, and I mean, there's there's a lot of outgoings. Turner, as we've discussed, there's a lot of moves that still need to be made. I, I don't, I don't think we can really sign anyone without those outgoings. For example, we're not going to get Raya in if Turner doesn't move. Those are two that are linked together. I don't think we will get a forward if Balogun and Eddie are both there. I don't think Balogun will stay. There's a market for him and he wants to go. <clears throat> Pepe obviously is not going to stay. Do you think it's enough, Clive? I mean, I, I look at the, the options for the front three. And it's sort of a weird one because you have a cluster like Jesus, Martinelli, Saka. Trossard. He can play eight, he can play nine, he can play left wing. Havertz. He could play nine if you had to use him there, right? But outside that group, then the next level is Nelson and Nkedia. And I saw some things from Nelson that are pretty exciting the tail end of last season. You know, I I, I don't want to give up on the player by any means, but I do think we're maybe one short. You know, when you look at the quality of like Troussard, for example, as potentially a guy coming off the bench, that's serious quality that can help you in a number of positions. I feel like we're just one short probably of a right-sided option at that because even if you like Enkedia and you say, you know, I'll get you too low on Enkedia, fine. He's he's not a wide player for me. And even if you really like Reese Nelson, I, I think he was more effective off the left than the right. Yep. 
Jesus can play off the right, but do you want your backup right wing to be your starting number nine? Probably not. I, Clive, I don't know that we have the guy to backfill for Saka. Now, I'm not asking for a guy to be as good as Saka because that's not reasonable, but that feels like a position. And I think, is it Kudus that we've been yeah. linked with? Um, there are other clubs that are in for him. Maybe that's the right move. But to me, one more forward and preferably someone who's comfortable on the right would would be a priority and certainly a priority over like a, a, another goalkeeper, for example. Yeah, and there are there were there were well sourced Twitter accounts saying they've been speaking to Kudos for quite a while. Um he looks right, doesn't he? He looks the right type. Mm. Can play down the middle, can play off the right. Obviously with a lefty, he can always play off the left. But um but yeah, I, I like how he re- can he receive the ball like an Arsenal player. I always look for how you receive the ball and how you turn and move and how can you accelerate away and that that's the thing for me. Take ons I always look for that first. And are you intelligent? Once you've once you've taken it away from your man and you've got it safe side, can you pop it off, get it back? Have you got the intelligence, the speed of decisions that's, that fit with the Arsenal players we have? And I look at Kudos and I think, yeah, you have that. I watched Michael Elise actually when we played Palace last year and I had a good look at him and he's very graceful on the ball, very smooth. But he doesn't play at our tempo. He plays at his own tempo. Mm. And, and I look at him and think, wow, you look, beautiful to watch you know lovely flowing running movements and the way he passes the ball but mate I'm telling you I also play at a different speed they they really do and he he can't he can't do it he can't go there off the ball he couldn't press it he couldn't do it he might be an extremity right winger where you stand in position or positional play receive it come inside a controlling winger like uh, Bernardo is you know gets the ball in little comes inside pop one twos go from there you know you know in a strong team like a City, for example, where he can stand in that position and really clip the ball to Haaland. But his distribution of, of that side is, is superb. But we play at a different pace and intensity, and I, and, I, and I don't see that. Whereas Kudos, I think, can get to our levels <clears throat> of pace and punch and pressing. Mm. And so I like the idea of that. And again, it's a, it's a multi-positional player. What that will do for the rest of the group, I'm not sure. I've often had a feeling that Fabio Vieira could play out there and we just need to fix his position. But does he bring the fear factor? The bang, you know, does he bring that? Not at this moment in time. If he keeps putting the ball in the top corner from 25 yards, then that fear factor will come very quickly. And so again, development versus just always buying the new thing. We might be literally, give these guys four or five more games before we decide to go and do something. And hence why I always come back to preseason and why I love it. I think it's very important for players to position themselves in the squad or not and position themselves in the hierarchy because Timber, for example, jumped up the hierarchy as he on the left-back side of the pitch just in one game. You could, we can all see it. Yeah, it's a good point. You know? And um, it can change. So I just want to give these next two games against Monaco and City, have a good look at them and see what combinations we play. Then we have this conversation in two weeks' time in it and it may, it may sound completely different. No, that, that's a really good point. It's it's weird because it feels like the preseason has been really quick. I, I can't explain why. Um, and we're still trying to learn a lot about some of the new players and get players integrated. I think what's really interesting and, and does present an opportunity is we play Forest at home, first game of the season. Palace away, second game of the season. Fulham at home, third game of the season. 
and Manchester United at home September 3rd, right after the window is closed. Ordinarily, I'm a big believer, get your business done early. Get your business done in time to be ready for the season. And, and to be fair, I think we've gotten our primary business done early. So kudos to the club on yep. that. If we want to just be a little patient, to your point, Clive, and just give it time to bake a little before we make that decision of that last move we want to make or last couple of moves, you know, you don't want to jinx anything. But those three games, Forest at home, Palace away, Fulham at home, I certainly think the squad is strong enough to be fine for those games. You know, like if we can't win those games with the squad we currently have, we we have a problem, right? Th- those are games we should be looking to win. So I think they can go right to the end of the window with getting a look at what they've got before deciding what they still need. Whereas, you know, if you had, what was it a couple seasons ago, uh, Brentford away, Chelsea and City, right, were our first three games. You needed to hit the ground running. We did anything but that with COVID absences and things like that. Not all that was the club's fault, obviously. But so do you you take my point that, like, given the way the fixtures fall, I I don't think you have to rush these last couple of moves because I think you can go right to the end of the window and, and really see how things are shaking out. Yeah, mate, we have to sell. We we, we haven't mentioned Sambi and Nuno and players like this. We we yeah, need yeah. to sell. And uh, we, need to, we need to decrease the squad because we can't register this squad. You know, and so so we need to sell. And I, Again, these pre-season tours are, are very important, Elliot, not just not just for you and, and your liver, but also for basically for the squad and, and the group and the, the elite Arsenal first team group that basically live together for a week. You know, everybody, the staff, everybody there, they're all together. They're all learning about each other. You're finding out about individual players and how they are, how they've changed over the break, how they've changed from the last season tour, what their progression is, where their potential is. Do they want to, are they comfortable being a squad player? Do they need to go and play on loan? You're finding all this stuff out. You know, right now, when you come back and all the teams come back from their tours and execs start to talk to each other, we're going to get another phase of movement. We may find that somebody that we really like said, you know, I need a six-month loan. I need to make sure I play. I can't I can't do it, you know? And and then we might see a buy coming, you know? And so I do think decisions are being taken right now that we may be not be aware of. I mean, this morning, I wouldn't, I was not expecting that David Rea story to hit. You know, so um, no. and so this is how things can change in a tweet, real quick. And so I do think next two weeks, I, I keep saying it. This is such an important period for us to make sure that we trim the squad appropriately, maintain the unified dressing room. That's really key. But selling to open our minds up to buyers is the next step. Yeah, you can't. You you can't have like four or five players that you can't even register. First of all, if you want to sell them, (laughs) you're in the worst possible position at that point. So some sales have to get done while there's still value there and clubs can't really use the leverage of us needing to sell to get a a better fee. But at some point we're going to be, we're going to be in that situation. What is really amazing if you think about it though, we find ourselves in a position now where there's no single point of failure. If I look at our last two seasons and where they went wrong, there were a couple of key injuries at a couple of moments that really cost us the season. And the way we've built, we've we've strengthened and fortified ourselves in the places that I thought were really clear areas of potential weakness. Um, you know, God forbid you lost a Saliba or a Gabriel this season. If you had to use Ben White at center back, 
and bring in a timber, or if you had to use Tomiyasu at center back, you know, I, I don't think anybody would be worried about that or a Kivi or <clears throat> those are all players that I think look very usable now. I mean, if Thomas Party stays, Party and Declan Rice in that role, if Party goes off the boil or is injured, well, you know, no problem. Mate. You get your 105 million pound signing that's got that position locked down. Um, Trissard looks like he can play the Havertz role. Trissard looks like he can back up Jesus, but Havertz probably can as well. You know, on the Martinelli side, again, Trissard kind, kind of becomes that skeleton key. It is just that right-hand side of the pitch a little bit where you look at Odegaard. That, that's a player you probably can't replace, although Fabio Vieira would be the one in line to do it. Um, yep. And looks better from the right, we should say, than from the left, I think. Yep. Um, and, and lovely to see him get a nice goal against Barcelona. And then it'd be Saka. You know, the, the only guy right now that I think I would want to see starting for Saka if he was out is Gabriel Jesus. And yep. that means you're changing your center forward, and that means you're moving everything around a little bit. Um, so th- that would be the one area of the pitch, Clive, where right now I'd say there's still that vulnerability. But kudos to the club because you really have a situation now where it looks very, very strong. By the way, I mentioned um, I mentioned not necessarily having a, a backfill option for Odegaard, but maybe like a Jorginho steps into that role or something like that. I mean, that's a player no. that's going to have a role for us. Yeah, who We've knows? got so but many options for Odegaard now. Havertz yeah. can play Odegaard position. Trossard mm-hmm. can play Odegaard position. Vieira can play it. Smith Rowe can play it, mate. We, we're we're okay there. Yeah, didn't even mention him. So we're, we're okay there before we stick Jorginho there. I can't let you get. I can't let you get that one. The Discord can, will kill can, you. Can I stick Jorginho on <laughs> the Havertz role? Then where can I stick him? Because he's a good player. He's going to play a bit. He'll, he'll he'll end games in the six. I think. Um, okay. I did hear Tim say something the other day, which I thought was really really astute. He said something like, "We're developing a closing team." Yeah, and I thought that's that's mm. that's really good because rather than just bring on holding and go to a back five, we're bringing on players that can close the game. And I thought that was really, yeah. and I and I agree. And I think Jorginho is one of those guys that just makes sure everyone's in the right place, you know, in points and clicks, and make sure it just holds that position and keeps the ball moving in a, in a more conservative way. There's different ways to skin this cat, you know. And although I sort of want that right-sided player too, Elliot, but I'm also prepared to, you know, if kudos comes, they said kudos to the club made me smile earlier on. Uh, kudos <laughs> comes, uh, they're great. I know nothing about him. He just fits. He fits on YouTube. He fits, you know. But I do know about Smith Rowe. And I'm learning about Vieira. I can see their bubbling potential. Two 22-year-olds on 40 grand a week, developing players that we already own. I'm all right with it, you know. Sometimes I'm all right with making sure that we we grow together. You know, not everything has to be that guy. You know, um, the money yeah. will be spent at centre forward next year or a forward next summer. I think that's the key, whether it's centre forward or not. It could be big money. It could be it could be squad defining money. So let, let's see yeah. what happens. Well, if we went to 105 million on an area that we thought was of need this summer, I think if you're looking to get a striker. And and I love Gabriel Jesus, so I'm I'm okay with him. But if that's what you're really looking for, it's it's probably going to take that again. Um, yeah. You know what I'm excited for? I am excited for the games to start. I mean, this summer was interesting because we did some big moves pretty early. And even if we didn't do them right away, we knew what they were going to be. You know, we knew about the Havertz and Rice things well ahead of them happening. Timber yeah. a bit as well. We've been sitting here kind of discussing the same things over and over again now for a few weeks. There might be some late flurry of activity late in the window, but I'm ready to now see it on the pitch and start breaking down what's been happening. Um, Loved watching these games. The MetLife game wasn't much of a game. Loved watching the Barcelona game. We've got Monaco on Wednesday. That'll be fun to see. Um, 
in front of the home crowd. And then <clears throat> the Community Shield, which whether or not it's a real fixture, and I don't think it is, it will be played at a high level. And and because it is Manchester City and everyone's sort of aware of our record against them, it'll be one that'll be used as a measuring stick in one way or another. We'll have to be a little careful about drawing conclusions from that, but there'll be time. I'm I'm excited to get to our preseason prediction episode. I'm excited to get to you know, the the instant reactions and the post-match podcast and, and getting back to seeing how it plays out on the pitch because the squad looks pretty darn good at this point. Um, By the way, the content schedule for the season is up on the website, so you can have a look at it if you want, but basically it's six episodes a week. If you're signed up for everything, if you're doing the main pod, it'll be the main pods, which have always been here and will always be here, but uh, otherwise, yeah, about six episodes a week, and maybe, maybe this week we can sneak in a kudos and uh, Ray a double bill scouting video can't wait climb back wait. into the yeah, rotation yeah. here yeah all right <laughs> i think we can leave it there there's really not much else to discuss and um there will be a ton to discuss in the near future so that's all coming up uh and and i have to say clive like it is one of those things when you go away with good people and the see be around the club and, and meet a lot of people it, it feels amazing I had to come home. I don't know if I was going to make it even one more day. <laughs> um, and and Andrew and I were just messaging like, I, I could go to bed right now and sleep for 20 hours. So I, I am ready to he rest, recuperate, recovering, and looked, get back to looked, form myself. He looked really good. He looked really good. Yeah. Uh, we said before the, the start of this, when you come to London, we sort of, we bring you in and you have to sort of immerse yourself into our culture here in the UK and we get you to Tollington, we get you going. And you're used to it now. But now... It was the other way this time, going to a game and we were coming to your world, into your culture, how you guys do it before the game, etc. And I thought that was really good and I was gutted to miss that. But I know you hold our, you hold our end up. And you, we helped you, you and the Andros, <laughs> Andrews. And it looked, it looked really nice. So I hope you had a word. It was a great time. Well, next time we'll be uh, over on your side of the pond. So I always look forward to that. We'll leave it there. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can buy me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. It's almost here. It is getting closer. Um, and I can't wait. I think it's going to be a brilliant season. We love you. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Monaco. No. 